Hey, good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you. My name's Chris. I'm the senior minister here at Andover Baptist Church. Huge welcome to you. If we've not met before, it's great to see you. If you're online with us today, it's great to see you too. I can see some of you joining in on the chat right in front of me here. So it's great to have you guys on with us as well. Just before I get into the next part of our Be Rich series, there are a couple of things I want to say. First of all, I want to say a big hello to Jim Harris. Jim is with us this morning. Jim is a member of our church and Jim has been in Kenya, serving God in Kenya for over 30 years. Years. So, Jim, it's great to have you back with us uh, today. And also, that's some great news to share with you. I've got some sad news that I need to share with you as well this morning. Uh, many of you will remember and, and have known Norman Cox. And Norman has been a part of our church community for years and years and years, over 40 years. And Norman passed away yesterday and went to be with Jesus uh, in heaven. So, that's really sad news that we uh, heard yesterday. Uh, Norman had been um, suffering and struggling a little bit with Ill, Ill health over the last uh, few weeks. And so in some respects for Norman, it's a relief that he gets to go and be with Jesus in, in heaven. But for those of us who've known Norman for many, many years, I know it'll be a big loss to us and to our church family as well. So I thought I'd just pray. I thought I'd pray. I mean, this is like, this is what it means to follow Jesus, doesn't it? To be uh, in relationship with Jesus, uh, all that life throws at us, the great highs and joys of being reunited with people again and the lows of losing someone. And, but in the midst of all of that, we believe that God is at work in the highs and lows of life. So let's just commit uh, that to him. Lord God, we thank you for uh, the joy of having Jim uh, back with us uh, today and for all that he does to serve you overseas. And we also thank you too today for the life of Norman, who gave himself so faithfully in service to so many others and to this church community as well. Thank you for his faithfulness to us as a church family. And we thank you that he is now with Jesus, his saviour, in heaven and free from the pain and struggles of ill health. Uh, but Lord, we also recognize in the sadness that there are lots of people here in our church community who will be sad today, and his family as well. And we just lift them before you and pray peace and comfort for them in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, I've been away this last week and I got back uh, yesterday and I got this news about Norman yesterday afternoon and I prepared my talk before I went away. And uh, there's always that moment I think I'm going to have to tell the church this sad news tomorrow. How do I go from that into a talk? Uh, but actually the talk today is about serving. It's part of this Be Rich series we started last week, which I'll explain about in just a minute. But actually, do you know what? As I thought about it, I thought, this is perfect. Because Norman was a servant. He served. He served this church community really faithfully. He served in our local community in lots of different ways and served other people as well. So it's, it's really apt that we're talking about this today and to go from that sad news into the talk today. It's a, a, an easy transition, actually, because we're talking about somebody who modeled this for us. Uh, but when we're talking about Be Rich, that series title can have some slightly odd connotations because people think, well, I'm going to show up at Andover Baptist Church and they're going to tell me how to get loads of money. That must be what that means. But that's not what we mean by be rich at all. We're not talking about financial wealth or material wealth here. We're talking about a different kind of wealth. The wealth that comes from great friendships, great relationships, for investing ourselves in the life of others. It's the wealth that comes from being generous. And one of Jesus' first followers was a guy called Paul, and he wrote letters to churches and started churches, all that kind of stuff. And to one of them, he said, and, and, and to one of the leaders of that, that, that church, he said, be rich in generosity and good deeds. 
And that's the kind of thing that we're linking into throughout this series. And alongside it, we've got loads of practical ways we're trying to be rich in generosity. And you've seen some of them earlier with the Be Rich drive through that took place a couple of Saturdays ago. And uh, we're talking about being rich in our giving and in our serving and in our love. And next week, I'll be talking about love. Today, it's about serving. Um, I've been in America this last week, and I used to live there many years ago. We lived in the States for a a year or so, and it reminded me, being back there this week, I love American sport. I love all sport, actually, but I really love American sport as well. I love uh, uh, baseball, and it's the baseball uh, end-of-season baseball playoffs are going on right now in America, so everybody's really excited about that. The NFL football, American football season is in full flow. I love uh, American football. And one of my, a couple of my favorite movies of all time are based around American football. There's one called Jerry Maguire. Has anybody ever seen Jerry Maguire? Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar. Uh, Show Me the Money. Does anybody, does that resonate with anybody? You had me at hello. You complete me. No, you've got to watch Jerry Maguire. Honestly, and it's one of the best romantic movies of all time. Renny Zellweger, Tom Cruise. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see that film. But that's not the one I'm going to talk about today. The one that I want to talk about, the American football movie I love, another one I love, is called The Blind Side. Anybody seen The Blind Side? Okay, just one or two. I'm going to have to explain this clearly. So in that movie, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for that movie, actually, for her portrayal of a lady called Leanne Tui. And uh, Leanne Tui and her husband, Sean, came across a young man who was at school with their son. His name was Michael Orr. And he was a really big guy, Michael Orr. But he was desperately poor. He came from a really troubled and difficult background, desperately poor. And they started to get to know him because they would see him getting on and off the school bus with their son. And no matter what the weather, he was always dressed in shorts and a T-shirt because it was obvious that he was poor, that his family had no money to spend on clothes. And then their son came back from school and said that Michael had no money for lunch, had no lunch at school, had no money to buy lunch. So they started to care for Michael. They, they started to give money so that he could have lunch. They started to get him some clothes. And eventually, it led to them adopting him as a, as a son. And he lived with them and so on. But he was a big guy, and he was great at American football. And he went on to go to university. They helped him with his studies. He went on to go to university and then to play American football professionally for the Baltimore Ravens. It's a great story. It's a great film if you haven't seen it. And it's a story all about love and care for others, a true story, all about loving and caring and serving other people. And it's also the story of a mum. And that's one of the reasons I love it too, because it's the story of a mum. And my mum was one of my spiritual heroes. And my mum just loves serving people. And if you've been around the church before, you know I can't help from time to time talking about my mum. So I'm going to talk about her again today. My mum had plenty of struggles in her life including a battle with cancer, which she lost when I was 21 years of age. She had plenty of doubts about God through that whole experience, as you might imagine. She was not a saint, uh, my mum, but she did, she did serve other people amazingly well. She had lots of doubts about God sometimes, particularly when she was ill. Where is God in the midst of all of this? But she did cling on to her faith, and she loved people. She was a fantastic role model for how to unconditionally love and serve other people. And that was an outworking of her faith in Jesus, just quietly behind the scenes. And here's the thing. When my mum was at her lowest moment, struggling with her illness, she received an outpouring of love and care, the like of which I've never seen. 
cakes, visitors, friends, flowers, cards, love. We had a freezer, and I'm not exaggerating this, we had a freezer full of cakes. We couldn't eat them fast enough as people were bringing them round. And when she died, we got cards and letters from people we had never met saying things that she had done for them and how she touched and blessed their lives. What an amazing woman she was and the things that she had done for them. They told us all these stories. And her church family, our church family, were amazing. And they came around with meals and all sorts of stuff. And we had so many flowers that we ran out of places to put them in the house. We had to put them outside. And I'm allergic to like pollen and stuff like that. So not only was I crying because I just lost someone that I love, I was crying because we had all these... I was about to say wretched flowers in the house, but that's a horrible thing to say, wasn't it? Lovely flowers in the house that all these lovely people had given to us. And I remember so vividly at the time reading through all these cards and letters and seeing this outpouring of love, thinking to myself, that's what I want. That's how I'd like to be remembered. That the things they're saying about her, maybe they'll say about me one day. And what my mum taught me through all those years of serving was that actually, as well as our serving, blesses, blessing other people and helping other people, it also changes us. And it also helps us. You know, I've seen this so many times over the years now as I've been leading churches. If you want to ensure in your moments of deepest need that you're supported by and surrounded by people who will love and care for you, if you want to be respected and admired by others, if you want to build a legacy that lasts after you're gone, if you want to grow spiritually fitter and more mature in your following of Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, then serving is a key to that. And as I'm going to explain, our motivation for serving is not to be what we can get out of it, but actually it is a byproduct of our serving. So if you want those kinds of things, if you're sitting here this morning either online uh, or in the room and you're thinking to yourself, I'd like to get spiritually fitter. I'd like to become more like Jesus. I'd like to ensure that people are there for me in my moments of darkest need. I'd like to be respected and admired. I'd like to be looked up to. I'd like to build a legacy that will last long after I'm gone. Then what we're talking about today is right on point for you. It's absolutely key to all of those things. Then what we're going to talk about today will absolutely feed in to that desire that you have for those kinds of things. And actually, whether you're a Christian or not, it does all of those things. And if you're not yet a Christian, if you're exploring faith, I've seen so many people in your situation over the years become part of a church community, get involved in a church community, even if they're not sure they believe in God or want to be a follower of Jesus, they get involved because they want to be a part of a community and they want to explore faith. Serving is a great thing to do because actually in their serving, it's where they find themselves starting to ask spiritual questions, to get spiritually fit, to start encountering what it really means to know God. So if you're a Christian or not, this is all relevant for us this morning. But I am going to talk in parts of this talk today about two Christians and say, actually, look, if you're not a Christian, I mean, you're under no obligation here. But if you are a Christian, there are some things we're supposed to be doing. There are some obligations, some obedient stuff to be doing here. And to help me in all of this, 
I'd mentioned uh, Paul earlier, this guy who uh, was a follower of Jesus some 2,000 years ago, started church and so on. I want to go to one of his letters that he wrote to one of the churches that he had founded, a church in a place called Philippi. And just a little bit of background before I dig into what he has to say, which will help us in our attitude and our motivation for serving. Just a little bit of background. There were some quarrels and some fights going on in the church of Philippi. People were seeking to pursue their own needs and their own agendas rather than the mission and purpose of the church and of Jesus. And so Paul's writing to them and saying, look, come on, stop all this quarreling, start uniting, get going on what you're actually supposed to be focusing on. And he's said all of this to them. He's talked about the attitudes that they need to adopt and what will bring around change and what will unite them together. And in in the bit immediately before the bit we're going to look at today, he's been saying, come on, you know, remember who you're following. Remember what Jesus did for you. And just use that to kind of get your prod you a bit into where the direction you're actually supposed to be going in. And in the light of that, he then says this, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2 from the New Testament part of the Bible. And uh, it was important to explain that background because we have a therefore, okay? And uh, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to ask yourself, what is the therefore therefore? And the therefore in this situation is there to tie us back to what he's just been saying. Look, come on, remember who Jesus is. Remember what Jesus has done. Remember who you're supposed to, what you're supposed to be about. And therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, you know, if, you, if you've kind of got any inspiration from all this stuff that Jesus has done, if you've got any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. If you know Jesus, if you're following Jesus, if you're thinking about the compassion and the love that Jesus has for you and all the things that Jesus has done for you, then do some stuff. Then do some stuff. If you'd say you're a follower of Jesus, if you take comfort from his love for you, if you recognize what he's done from you, if you've taken encouragement from being united with Jesus, then be like-minded which is a kind of way of saying, unite around a common mission and a purpose. Have the same love that Jesus had for you and that Jesus demonstrated for other people. Have the same compassion. Do you see, I think this is a genius thing that Paul is doing here. He's saying, look, you've got some quarrels and agendas that you're pursuing and some stuff going on between you. The way to resolve all of that is to unite around who it is you're following and what he's asked you to do. And he has asked you to unite around a common mission and a purpose, which is to express the same love that Jesus expressed to you to everybody else. Unite around this mission and purpose. And you probably know this too. If you're involved in, I don't know, whatever, if you're involved in a sports team, or you're involved in a business or or whatever it is, you're usually involved with a whole disparate group of people who come from all sorts of different backgrounds and ways of life, who do all kinds of different things and who you may not agree with, you may not line up with politically, you may not agree with their opinions on whatever it is, but if you've got a common mission and purpose, if you're trying to defeat the opposition sports team, if you're trying to uh, 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 make profit for the business, if you're trying to launch a new product, whatever it is, then you can pull all those things side because you're of one heart and mind about what it is that you're trying to do. And Paul says it's the same here. You've got a common mission and purpose, which is to love God, love Jesus, and help other people experience it that too. So come on, be like-minded, be of one heart and mind, show compassion, be, 
be one in spirit, one in mind, be together. And then Paul goes on to say, look, and this is how your togetherness, this is how this mission should manifest itself in your attitudes. And this is so important. Look at this, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So there's two don'ts and then a few do's that Paul says when it comes to this. Don't act out of selfish ambition. Don't act out of vain conceit. Instead, be humble and value others above yourself. Don't look to your own interests. Instead, look to the interests of others. Albert Einstein once said, a person first starts to live when they can live outside themselves. Do you see when they start to think about other people, they start to look to the interests of others. And this is so true, isn't it? Don't we actually really start to live when we start to think about people other than ourselves? Think about this in this way, if, I can, if you're a bit skeptical about that. Think about this in this way. Think for a moment about the people you love relating to, the people you love spending time with. Look and think about the people who have lots of friendships. Look at the people who are at the center of a community like a church. I promise you, they are the people who are not self-centered, who are not selfish or self-serving. They're the people who give of themselves to others. They're the people who recognize that the entire world, with one minor exception, is composed of other people. You get that? The entire world, with the exception of one person, you, is composed of others. So how much of a waste of time is it, thinking about how to put this carefully and tactfully, how much of a waste of a time in it when the whole world is full of everybody else that we would spend all our time thinking about one person, me. It's not great, is it? Those people who are surrounded by other people, who people want to relate to and be with and all that kind of stuff, they're the people who are interested in other people, in serving other people. And you know, sometimes, and you may be thinking this right now, you may be thinking, I've tried, Chris. I've tried serving other people, I've tried, and you know, do you, I end up getting hurt, because I do stuff for other people, and then they say something stupid, and it hurts me, and it's painful, and I'm just wondering whether I should keep going, because it's just too painful, or too hurtful, or, or we get disappointed, we serve other people, and then we get disappointed. I just want to say, look, some of those, th that happens, right? We've experienced that, all of us have experienced that, but that shouldn't stop us from serving other people. One or two bad situations shouldn't stop us going on in the future. You know, in my job, we try to help all kinds of people. We try to help people as much as we possibly can, sometimes at personal cost and sometimes even at personal risk. Many years ago now, and I want to say this very clearly, it was many years ago now, not while I was at this church, many years ago, in part of, as part of my job, I was asked by somebody who had been a part of our church, a lovely person, but loads and loads of needs, just all sorts of stuff going on in life all the time. It's very chaotic. And they, they'd been a part of our church, and they started to sort of move away to the fringe, and we were trying to draw them, draw them back, but it wasn't really working, and we weren't sure that they were still very keen to be part of our church. But they came to me one day, and uh, they'd done something really stupid, and they'd admitted they'd done something really stupid and they'd been caught and they would end up having to go to court 
uh, and they, they admitted their guilt, so it was a sentencing thing that was going to happen at court, and it was right on that cusp between would they go to prison or would they be able to do community service or what was going to happen there. And they asked me, or their lawyer asked me actually, to go to court and be a character witness. And I said, well, I can't say anything, it's untrue, but I can certainly say we've never seen this person do anything like this in our experience and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I went to court, and it, was a, it cost a lot of time because you have to have all the meetings beforehand, and then you go, and then they can't see you on the day that you've gone because other cases have run over, so you have to go back again. So it just, just took loads of time and loads of work. And anyway, I got up, and I did my thing, and I said my piece, and thank God the person, and again, they'd admitted all of this. They didn't go to prison, but they had to do lots of community service, and we supported them through all the blah, blah, blah. Anyway, did all of that. Never saw them again. And we tried to draw them back into church and all that, and it just, it just didn't work. And that was really disappointing. And it hurt. And of course, that wasn't the reason why we were doing it. I didn't do it because I wanted them to come to my church. That's not why we did it. But it was disappointing and hurtful. And, and sometimes those things can, can create, uh, our hearts can become stony when those sorts of things happen. We say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to waste my time again. I'm going to get hurt like that again. But actually, and this is something I realized, I, I ad-libbed on this a bit in our first service this morning, so I'm going to try and do it again. I think increasingly, as I get older and as I spend longer in church leadership and all that kind of stuff, I sense God saying to me more and more, your, prob- your job is not to worry about the outcome. Your job is just to do the right thing, to do the caring thing, to do the compassionate thing, to serve other people. I'll worry about the outcome, and that may be good, it may be bad, it may be painful, whatever. Your job is not to worry about the outcome. Your job is to do what I'm asking you to do. And I think that's really, really important in all sorts of aspects of life, that actually being obedient to God, being obedient to Jesus, is about being obedient. It's not about, well, I really hope this is going to turn out great. That's not the motivation. Our job is to do what God is asking us to do. Right, a little bit of an aside. Let's go back then uh, to the text in valuing uh, others above ourselves. But then look what Paul goes on to say. And again, this is really aimed at Christians, but I hope helpful for everybody. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, here, Paul is saying, this should, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your motivation for serving. And by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know, this is the Jesus that we follow. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, it's about following this guy. This guy who had equality with God, who was totally comfortable, who was there with God from the very beginning of everything, and it must have been really nice, was willing to give all of that up to come and walk on our messed up earth, planet, amongst us messed up people, and give himself as a servant and give up his life This is what we believe. This is what Christians believe. This is the one who we follow, who we are absolutely convinced is worthy of following. And if you're not a Jesus follower, he's worthy of following for you too. Because he will change your life because he's given everything for you. But if you are a Jesus follower, this is your motivation. Say, this is the one whom I'm following and I ought to follow in his footsteps. I ought to follow his example. These are the servant-hearted attitudes that I need to demonstrate in my life. This is the one who is with God and who gave everything. 
and who served and willingly sacrificed everything, took on the nature of a servant, made himself nothing, humbled himself to live and walk amongst us. And in order to serve others, he took up his cross, he dragged it to a hill, and then he let people nail him to it. He gave up his life. Now, from all of this, I think we learn some really, really important things about serving. First of all, it should be sacrificial. It should cost us something. It should cost us our time, our energy, maybe our reputation. It should cost us something. That's truly when it makes a difference. It's truly when it changes us because it's cost us something. It's cost us something to be obedient and to give of ourselves to others. Secondly, it should flow out of a response to what God has done for us. If you're a Christian, your serving should flow out of a response from what God has done for you. Not out of duty or obligation. Not even because it does all those amazing things I talked about at the beginning, like helping us and uh, helping us to grow spiritually. That shouldn't be our motivation. That's a lovely byproduct. Our motivation should be because we are responding to what God has done for us. And if you're a Christian, you should be serving because Jesus has modeled for you what it looks like to serve other people. And you should be saying, well, I want to do that too because I love people. And not just people in the church, not just Christians. If we love people, we should long for those who don't know God, who haven't had a relationship with God, to discover God as we have done. We should be prepared to sacrifice our time, our energy, our money, the things we like for the sake of the people who we're serving and the people who don't know God and his love for them. And the possibilities when we serve together are boundless. And when we serve together in a church community, we can do so much more than we can do on our own. And I think the Be Rich drive through is such a great example of that. We'd never have done that individually, but coming together we're able to do something extraordinary. So why do we serve? Well, we serve because it helps us to know God. We serve because God first served us and gave his son. We serve because it changes things. And we serve because it changes us. Serving changes things in our communities and in our world. But it also changes us. And again, that's not our motivation. We shouldn't be doing it out of a selfish motivation. But a happy byproduct is that it changes us because serving makes us more like Jesus, who was a servant first and foremost. Serving helps us get spiritually fit. Sometimes people want to say to me, Chris, how do I grow spiritually fitter? Or sometimes they put it like this, how do I become more mature? In my discipleship, they like to use big Christian words, which simply means how do I kind of grow in my following of Jesus? And there are all sorts of things that we can do, but serving is a great way to do that, to get spiritually fitter, to become more like the greatest servant of them all. It helps us serving to stand up against the selfishness and the me-first attitude of our world that is so pervasive. It helps us teach our children and our grandchildren what it looks like to live a different kind of life to the one the world is offering. It's what my mum did, and I watched her do it, and I hope it impacted me. It creates great relationships. People who are serving others 
are people that others want to get alongside and relate to and be friends with. It ensures that when we are in our moments of greatest need, there are people there for us. So those are the happy byproducts of following Jesus in his model as a servant. So we need to get in the serving game. And I'm looking out and I'm looking at all these people. And I know loads of you are already like really doing this brilliantly. So thank you. So I realize I'm preaching to the choir here in some respects. But I do want to say, it may be that God is saying to you, it's a different season, a different kind of serving to do. It may be that God is nudging you and saying, come on, you could do some more stuff here. You could get more involved in this. So what is God asking of you when it comes to your serving? As I said earlier, I've been away this week. I've been in Atlanta in the USA this week at an amazing uh, conference and event with a whole bunch of other church leaders from all around the world, and it's been great. We traveled back on Friday. We had a, a flight was late, late in the evening on Friday, so we had some time during the day. So in the, in the middle of Atlanta, in downtown Atlanta, there's the Martin Luther King Memorial, and I've been there a few times. Uh, Martin Luther King was born in Atlanta, and you can go to this memorial, you can see the street where he grew up, you can see the house that he was born in. Just down the end of the street, you can see the church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Martin Luther King's father was the pastor. You can go into that church, you can sit in a pew, and Martin Luther King went and preached there a few times because his dad was the leader and he kind of brought him back to preach there. You can sit in a pew and listen to a Martin Luther King sermon. It's like, it's really powerful, it's an amazing place to go. The museum has these great exhibits about the civil rights movement and all of that kind of stuff stuff and as I was walking around there was this quote in big like it had been painted on the wall and it was a Martin Luther King quote and I thought I'm going to use that in my sermon on Sunday and it said this this is Martin Luther King quote life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others that's amazing Martin Luther King would say the most urgent and persistent question is what are you doing for others That's a great question to ask today, isn't it? When we think about serving, what are you doing for others? And as we talk about being rich in generosity through this series, we're thinking about serving others, serving beyond our church community, serving people in our local community and around the world. And here's a few thoughts I had about ways that you can serve. We partner with this wonderful organization here in Andover called Frontline, who do um, debt advice and counseling for people who are struggling with their finances. And we have uh, people from our church serve as debt counselors with Frontline. If that's something that you might think you could do or be involved in, that's a great thing to, to do. And there are some leaflets about how you can do that out in our hub area uh, this morning. And somewhere around you'll find Mary. And Mary's wearing a green t-shirt today because she's on our welcome team today. And Mary serves in that role. And they'd love to have conversation with you about that. You could get involved with our food bank. Again, we partner with other churches in the town to run a food bank for, for people um, in food poverty. And I know many of you gave gifts for that, but you can partner as volunteer at Food Bank. We're hoping this autumn and winter to set up a warm hub. Uh, so one or two days a week for our building to be open for people to come and just sit and be warm. You know, when the energy bills are like they are, just people to have a few hours where they don't have to heat their homes might make a huge difference. If you'd like to volunteer in our warm hub, and it will only be able to do it if we get people to help us, then Alex, who was leading our worship this morning, is heading that up and would love to talk to you about that. Our friends at the Methodist Church are starting a town center chaplaincy. They go out and send chaplains out into the town during the week to meet with people and, and to, to chat 
chat with people. Again, we can get involved in that. Our children's and, and families, you know, we do loads of children's and families work as a church, but I'm not talking about that today. I want to talk about volunteering with our kids and youth work that, is at, that looks out into the community. So our parents and toddlers group that happens on a weekday morning here. Um, our Friday night kids and youth work that is like a youth club that anybody uh, can come to. If you'd like to be involved with those, that's another great way to serve our local community. If any of those ring a bell with you, and those are just the ones I could think of, you'll probably think about others as well, ways you can serve uh, your community. Then um, if any of those ring a bell, just get in touch with us through all the usual ways, and we can put you in touch with the right people about that. You'll, you'll think about other things. I know you will. You're all clever people. You'll think about other ways to serve, and it may just be a cake or a bunch of flowers to somebody who you know. It could be all sorts of different things. But whatever it is, let's be rich in generosity and be willing to serve because it changes things. It changes those we're serving. We're motivated because of what Jesus has done for us. And a happy byproduct is it changes us too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just commit ourselves to you once again today. And we commit ourselves to wanting to serve generously the local community that you've called us to be a part of. Whether that's in a different part of the world, whether it's here in Andover, whether if you're watching on the live stream, it's wherever you are. Lord, prompt us and nudge us and show us how we can serve wherever we find ourselves, whatever stage of life we find ourselves in. We thank you for those who have modeled sacrificial service for us over the years. And above all, we thank you for Jesus who took on the very nature of a servant and gave himself to us because of his love for us. Pray for anybody who's uh, on the live stream today or in the room today who hasn't yet experienced and encountered that sacrificial love of Jesus. May they find it and encounter it today, I pray. And for those of us who have, help us to follow in his footsteps and serve others. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.